Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Yankee Stadium in New York. It's the New York Yankees 5, the Cleveland Guardians 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And unfortunately, I cannot start this episode by talking about the actual game on the field. We've got to talk about the elephant of the room. We've got to talk about what happened in the ninth inning between the New York Yankees fans and the Cleveland's Guardians outfielders. So, uh, Quan smashes into the wall trying to catch a, uh, a fly ball from, who hit that by the way? Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And crashes into the wall. Knocks himself a little silly. Cuts his, maybe cut his forehead. Maybe, maybe a bloody nose. Maybe cut his chin. Uh, when he crashed in the wall, the trainer was kind of checking everything. And, uh, you know, the other outfielders come over to check on him. And the New York Yankees fans sitting out there in left field were saying some stuff. They were they were talking some stuff. And Mercado and Strawn did not care for it. Now, no idea what was actually said. There's, there was a very clear sign thrown up from a fan uh, hinting towards part of the female anatomy. And yeah, uh, Strawn Mercado weren't going to stand for it. And they came to the defense of their teammate. And there's a line. There's a line when it comes to heckling, when it comes to chirping uh, at a game. I've been out there. There is a right way to do it. I've been out there in the Cleveland bleachers when I was a teenager, I thought it was hilarious. They would get on guys like um, Tory Hunter and just all game long, right? Minnesota's in town. All game long, they're on Tory Hunter. And it's nothing personal. Honestly, it's just trying to get a reaction from the guy. Usually, if that outfielder glances back over his shoulder or you see him laugh, the bleachers would erupt in laughter. They Sometimes even applause because they, they he acknowledged it. Right? Because they got him. They got him to acknowledge it. They got him to look. They got him to point. They got him to smile. That was kind of the game out there in the bleachers. Just get a rise out of the guy. Apparently, what was being said yesterday in New York, that was not the tone of it. And uh, our guys did not care for it. And then they start throwing things at Oscar Mercado. And, you know, everything kind of goes nuts from there. Now, luckily... You know, the Guardians players kept their cool. They ran out there. They got Mercado. They got Straw. And frankly, they uh, they walked back to the dugout with their arms around each other like a team. Like a real galvanized team. And they said so as much in the post-game interviews that, you know, these kind of things kind of galvanize you together. This, this brings clubhouses together. You know, us versus the world mentality. Um... I have no idea what it's going to translate to on the baseball field, but, you know, in that clubhouse, they are rock solid right now. So, yeah, the Yankees fans crossed a line. That's not worth crossing. I mean, where's the enjoyment in that? You boo, you cheer, you scream, you shout, and that's it. And then you enjoy the game. You won the game. What are you throwing things at Oscar Mercado for? Especially, and the ball's live in play, too. All you could do is hurt your team at that point. What are you thinking? Now, I've seen Cleveland you know, fans on Twitter, of course. Twitter, 
Twitter was an awful place after that, you know? I, I, you know, I went on there to try to hear some comments and try to see what the players were saying. I actually stuck around and watched the entire post-game show just to hear what the players were saying. And uh, they were pretty fired up, pretty emotional. And uh, you could tell Naylor and Mercado, that's a tough situation. Like, credit to Mercado for sticking through that interview because you could tell that guy wanted to go, you know, punch a hole in the drywall and have some have a moment to himself. And he stuck in there and let them interview him. So credit to Mercado for some maturity there. Frankly, maturity in the whole situation, because that could have been a lot worse. Apparently, Yankees fans have a bit of a reputation for being a bit rowdy out there. It's not like, though, as Cleveland fans, we have a crystal clean record when it comes to fan behavior, right? Don't forget, this is the town for that's infamous for Tencent Beer Night. Remember, this is the town that's infamous for Bottlegate at the Cleveland Browns game. And if you don't know about Tencent Beer Night or Bottlegate, do a quick Google search because I do not have time to give the full history lesson there. Let's just say the fans got out of control in both situations. I will say the thing about Bottlegate is those bottles were not being thrown at, I believe it was the Jacksonville Jaguars we were playing in that game. I want to say it was them. Those bottles are being thrown at the referees for for literally getting the game wrong, getting the rules wrong, you know. Um, so that was the fans versus the referees. This was the fans versus the players. This was the New York fans versus the Cleveland players. So, yeah, an ugly situation. It's great that it, it's good that it didn't escalate beyond that, right? I mean, straw climbing the outfield fence to bark at people Came, came pretty close to, you know, malice in the palace territory where the players actually went up in the stands and fought people in basketball. So, yeah. Uh, what an end to the game, huh? What an end. It actually overshadows a pretty exciting end to a baseball game. I mean, well, we'll, we'll talk about it, but a walk comes back to hurt Classe. And uh, he misses on some pitches pretty bad to Kenner Falefa and Glaber Torres. And that's how the Yankees win. So let's get into the storylines of the actual game. And I thought the biggest storyline of the actual game, it was all about pitching yesterday. I mean, uh, for the Yankees, Nestor Cortez, you know, I was interested, left-handed pitcher. I was going to go look at the splits. I don't think... Another team, I think his first two starts, they even threw a left-handed hitter against him. We have two lefties in the lineup. Stephen Kwan's in there. Josh Naylor's in there. We can't go full righty against him, but it didn't matter. Looking at the splits from last year against this guy, he was handling lefties and righties, and he was doing it again in this one. He gets a one hit in six and a third innings, and that one hit happens to be a solo home run. A walk comes back to hurt him. He ends up uh, walking, I believe, Ahmed Rosario to kick off that fifth inning. Oh, well, Fermil Reyes strikes out first, then walks Ahmed Rosario. A walk coming back to hurt a pitcher. We are going to hear that refrain often. And Josh Naylor hits the big two-run home run to open up the game, open up the scoring, get the Guardians on the board as far as a hit goes. This team has a little bit of a history with no hitters, and let's try to make it through 2022 without being no hit. I think that should definitely be a goal at the top of the bullpen, at top of the bulletin board 
for the Guardians. A walk would turn out to, you know, hurt later in the game for the Guardians, but this time it hurts the Yankees here giving up two runs. Um, A walk would hurt Cal Quantrill later in that inning, though. He would get Josh Donaldson to fly out to to start the fifth inning. Actually, a very important fly out. I'll get to that in a second. And then Aaron Hicks would walk. Joey Gallo would single. Isaiah Conner-Falefa would single. That would turn into an interesting double play. Uh, But it would bring in uh, Aaron Hicks to score. Um, I'm sorry, Kyle Higgy-Shioka would be the interesting double play. So Connor Falefa's single would bring in Aaron Hicks to score. Higashioka would hit a double or hit a hit a sack fly into center field, and this was just a great baseball play. This was just a fantastic baseball play by the Guardians here. Everybody did the right thing. So Higashioka flies out to center field. Straw comes up firing. Uh, Joey Gallo is coming home from third base. Isaiah Connor Falefa. Tries to go from first to second on the throw. Straw hits the cutoff man. The cutoff man for this play is at the pitcher's mount. Probably the first baseman covering the pitcher's mount. If you watch Hedges on the play, Hedges is pointing and calling for second base. So Hedges is watching the play develop in front of him. Knows that they can double up Connor Falef at second base. Sacrifices the run, yes but knows they can get an out of second base. So he calls for it. Naylor takes the cut. I'm assuming it was Naylor. I can go back and watch it. But whoever takes the cut fires it to second base. They slap the tag on Connor Falefa, double him up to end the inning. That's a perfect baseball play right there. You got to watch all the pieces of that. Don't just watch the ball. Watch Austin Hedges at the bottom of the replay, pointing up to second base, making the call of where that cutoff throw should go. So, uh, a walk, though, leads to the Yankees' first run. So, these two pitchers, Quantrill and Cortez, were pretty fantastic for first four innings. And then the fifth inning, they both give up two runs. Coincidentally, they would both stick in there for another inning and a third. Cal Quantrill would last six in the third, uh, give up six hits, three earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts, and a home run. Now, I told you that flyout from... uh, Donaldson would be important because Donaldson would come back up uh, in that seventh inning, still facing Cal Quantrill out there. He gets Giancarlo Stanton to ground out, and then Donaldson comes up. Now, in that fifth inning, and let me go over to the matchups tab here. In that fifth inning, uh, he would throw Donaldson some cutters. And Donaldson would get a little bit of a feel for it. So he throws him a cutter right down the middle, uh, just shading the right side of the plate, right at the belt for a called strike one. He tries to throw him a four-seam fastball that he missed with. He comes back with a cutter in basically the same spot, a little bit higher, and he flies out to right field to Oscar Mercado on it. Okay, so he saw that cutter in the same spot twice. He flew flies out on it uh, in the fifth inning. He comes back up in the seventh inning. He misses with a cutter away and then comes back with a cutter in that same spot he flew out to, to Mikado with. This time, Donaldson does not miss it. This time, he gets around on it. 110.9 miles per hour, 24-degree launch angle, 421 to left center. So, he saw the pitch. He saw it. He had two swings at it. 
The first time he was behind it, he flies out to right field. The second time, he is on it. He And Donaldson knows a thing or two about hitting home runs. I mean, this guy, I've heard him talk on MLB Network one time, and he knows swinging the bat. And, uh, yeah, he turns on this cutter the second chance he gets at it. Technically, the third chance, because he looked at it for a strike one in that fifth inning. And he turns on it and crushes it. Uh, knocks Quantrill out. Well, actually, Quantrill, I think, would face one more batter after that and give up a single. Um, and then we would get into the Guardians' bullpen. But before we get there, before we get there, uh, we want I want to talk a little bit more about these guys and their start because, you know, Cortez was fantastic and Quantrill was, frankly, getting by. Um, yeah, so Aaron Hicks would single after the homer. Gallo would walk after Hicks' single, so runners on first and second, then they would go to the bullpen. All right, so we will get to the Guardians' bullpen in a second. But, I mean, Cortez was fantastic. Only gave up three hard-hit balls in six and a third. Cal Quantrill, on the meantime, Quantrill gave up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen hard-hit balls. They were just smoking out. I How he tightroped out of this one. In the first inning, the first two guys ground out at 107 and 108 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton would hit into a force out at 98.9. I mean, just loud, ridiculous, ridiculous outs. He would actually, uh, they'd walk Donaldson. He wouldn't come back to cost him because Donaldson would get thrown out stealing. And then he would strike out the next two hitters in the second. So looking good there. He said in post game, he didn't really settle in until the middle innings. He felt like. Uh, I remember he was coming back from, you know, being off for COVID for a week and couldn't really throw a normal bullpen session. Said he didn't have any symptoms. He gives up three hard out or three hard hit balls in the third inning, a fly out from Connor Falefa, a single from Higashioka was at 98, and then a double play from LeMayhew at 98.6. So he's surviving these, but they are absolutely destroying the baseball off of him. I mean, they were not messing around the Yankees hitters. They just weren't having much luck with it. The fourth inning, Judge lines out at 107.5 miles per hour. Rizzo and Stanton both ground out with hard hit balls. Remember, 95 plus. So yeah, the single from Gallo is at 105.9. Uh, the sack fly from Higashioka is at 96.9. Uh, and then in the sixth inning, so finally some weak contact. And then Donaldson's home run at 110 and Hicks' single at 102.7. So... Quantrill was absolutely getting a hard hit all around the park. And if we go over to the Illustrator here, and we go over to the Results tab, basically everything is on the plate. I mean, this guy, the outs are on the plate. The hits are on the plate. Yankees hitters were bringing him into the zone and smoking the ball off of him. The three pitches that are off the plate here are all walks, and then one strikeout is the fourth one. A high strikeout. He got Aaron Hicks to swing at a really high fastball. Uh, that was in the second inning. Remember, he struck out back-to-back hitters in the second inning. So, yeah, the Yankees were either bringing him in, being patient and bringing him into the zone, or Quantrill was missing in the zone, and they were really unloading on him in the, in the strike zone. They were not expanding the strike zone yesterday against Quantrill. Um, Cortez, on the other hand, he was just sharp. Going over to the player breakdown page, um, 
first off, our Quantrill, his cutter was doing okay for him. It is the pitch that he gives up the home run on. He got eight call strikes on it. It had a 30% CSW. His uh, forcing fastball had a 33% CSW. He only threw that 18 times. Uh, didn't really use much breaking stuff or off-speed stuff. Only three curveballs, only nine changeups. Everything else was hard. 18 fastballs, 20 sinkers, which is, you know, that hard two-seamer. And then the cutter was actually the softest pitch. He threw it 40 times. That one averages 85 miles per hour. Those other two fastballs are over nine, they're at 92 mile per hour averages. So yeah, so that was the pitch mix from Quantrill. For some reason, sticking with hard stuff. Now Cortez on the other side also throws the cutter, also throws the four-seam fastball. He at least mixed in a few sliders uh, uh, into the game. His breaking ball uh, does not throw a curve. He was dominating with his hard stuff, though. His cutter had a 35% CSW, got 11 called strikes. His uh, four-seam fastball had a 42% CSW, called you know called strikes plus whiffs, CSW percentage. So he was getting strikes with that. And the cutter, while Quantrill's cutter, the average exit velocity off of his cutter was 98.1. They averaged a hard hit ball off of his cutter. Uh, off of Cortez's cutter, they averaged 78.3 mile per hour exit velocity. So a huge difference there uh, with the Yankees hitters squaring up that cutter versus the Guardians hitters being able to square up that cutter. Now, Cortez handles things until that home run from uh, Josh Naylor. Frankly, um, Naylor doesn't, Naylor has never hit a home run from this spot. Uh, Naylor was not messing around on this game. He didn't see many pitches, to be honest with you. Uh, he only saw five pitches on the day. He was coming out swinging. Uh, but this at bat, he does see a slider on the first pitch that misses low. He sees another fastball, uh, at the knees. That's a strike. And then that slider comes down at the bottom of the zone, right down the middle of the plate, but at the knees, Maybe it's because he had just seen it a pitch earlier in a very similar location. Maybe it's because all three pitches in this at-bat in the fifth inning are in at the knees, basically in the same location. But he turns on this slider and hits it for the home run. Hits it at, let's see, what was that exit velocity there? 102 mile per hour exit velocity. Now, I went over to his Illustrator page and looked at the home runs from his whole career and he had hit a couple home runs that were down and in, uh, where he's been able to turn on some home runs down and in, but never down middle of the plate. Middle to outside of the plate, he had never hit a home run from that location before. So, uh, Naylor going down and getting that slider and ruining Cortez's day, frankly. The guy was pitching a no-hitter uh, until that pitch. So, that's what was going on in the battle between the starters. Eight strikeouts for Cortez really, really effective on the day. But then we get into the bullpens, and uh, man, the Guardians' bullpen looked like it was going to do it. It looked like they they were going to get out of it. And it starts with Enio De Los Santos. Los Santos comes in in that seventh inning and is absolutely fantastic. Remember, this is with two runners on. This is with two runners on. Let's go over the matchups here because he just blows away, basically, these Yankees hitters. 
And I remember we talked about Enyo de los Santos when they first signed him because back in November, he was the only guy they signed, right? Like it was the only move the Guardians had made. And we had talked about how his Ks per nine had went up in the 2021 season, split between Philly and Pittsburgh. Uh, he had made a jump in strikeouts. And that may have been something that the Guardians were looking at when they signed him to the minor league contract. Well, he comes in here and he strikes out the two batters he faces. He, uh, facing Connor Falefa, goes for a fastball at the top of the zone that's fouled off, goes for another fastball even higher that's a swinging strike, throws him a slider down to keep him off the fastball, that misses with for ball one, and then comes right back to the high fastball and gets him to swing through it for strike three. So just attacks him at the top of the zone and blows him away with pitches that are 95, 96 miles per hour. Higashioka comes up after that, and he gets him on three straight. Throws him a slider at the first pitch, uh, down in a way that he swings through for strike one. Then comes and attacks him under the hands with a fastball for strike two that he swings through. And then goes a mile per hour faster, goes up above the zone, and gets him to swing at a 97-point mile per hour fastball up and in that he swings through for strike three. So not messing around at all. De Los Santos came right at those two hitters, challenging him with high fastballs, and blows him away on seven pitches. That is how you come out of the bullpen. What was this guy doing down in the minor leagues? How did this guy not break camp with the Guardians? There's no way. When those guys come back from COVID, there is no way Enyel De Los Santos can go back down to AAA. This guy just cemented himself as one of the 7th you know, and 8th inning guys in this bullpen. Along with Sandlin, along with uh, you know Trevor Steffen, along with uh, Anthony Ghost. Like, this guy, give me this guy towards the end of the game. I'll take that kind of heat, that kind of uh, stuff any day of the week when I'm trying to hold the lead. So, well, in this case, we were actually down 3-2. Uh, but anyways, keeping a game close. So then Shaw comes in, he gets hit hard, he gives up a hit, he has Nick Sandlin come in and save him, though, with a strikeout. Sandlin only has to face one batter to get out of the eighth inning. Let's go to that matchup, because why not? Let's see how uh, Sandlin gets Giancarlo Stanton facing a tough hitter here, and he had to work. This is an eight-pitch at bat. This is a real battle here. He misses with a sinker down and in, just barely. I mean, there were some pretty wide strikes called in this one. Comes back with a slider for a called strike. Uh, so obviously Stanton may be looking for something a little straighter to swing at. Uh, throws him a sinker, uh, a hard sinker that he lays off for another called strike. This one was at the thighs over the plate. I don't know what Stanton was waiting on for that one. Uh, throws him a slider that misses way wide uh, for a ball in the beyond the other batter's box. Throws him a four-seam fastball on the outer edge uh, that he fouls off, so it's a 2-2 count still. Throws him a sinker on the inside corner this time that he fouls off, so he's working in and out on him. Throws him another slider that could have been ball three, but Stanton is in protect mode here, and he fouls off. That one was way inside. Um, and for a slider to be way inside to that right-handed hitter, that thing had a start at his hip uh, and didn't even make it back to the plate. And then finally goes high and away with a four-seam fastball. 
Then he swings through for strike three. So everything, I mean, every pitch was pretty much on a plane. There were one or the first pitch was low. That slider way outside. Ignore that one. But basically, he throws him five pitches all at the same height, all just below the belt. And finally goes high with a fastball to get him to strike out. So that was the battle between Sandlin and Giancarlo Stanton there. And then Class A comes in in the ninth inning, and frankly, he just misses location. He and you know he gives up a walk, and that's going to kill you. He walks the leadoff hitter in the ninth inning. He does strike out Aaron Hicks. He gets Joey Gallo to line out softly, and then Connor Falefa comes up, and going to the matchup here. Uh, Classe was working him down, throwing all cutters. Then he tries to throw a high cutter that he follows off, throws him a four-seam fastball in basically the same location, and this one he doubles on. And I can tell you, this pitch came under his hands on the inside edge, right at the letters. That is not where Austin Hedges was set up. Austin Hedges was set up down and away. So Classe just... Totally misses location on this one. So you pay. You you absolutely pay. When you miss your location that bad, you are bringing the ball into someone's zone where they can hit a double, where they can rope a double off the left field wall. So uh, he gives up the big hit there. And then Glaber Torres, he's trying to work him with sliders in this one. He actually throws him a cutter in that he follows off to start, throws him a slider that misses away, Throws him another high slider that gets called a strike that, frankly, wasn't in the strike zone. So he's got him in a 1-2 count. And then throws him another slider that doesn't get away. And again, I don't think this is where Austin Hedges was set up. But this slider ends up being middle of the plate, up at the letters. And he's able to slash it out in the right field and drive in that run. So, again, missing location. Those sliders were supposed to be away. And he leaves it in the middle of the zone, and he pays for it. So, Class A does get beat on this one. I mean, emotions were flying in that ninth inning. It was it was a ride. It must have been a really uncomfortable situation to pitch in uh, because, I mean, the stadium was, was roaring. The stadium was absolutely roaring uh, for the Yankees to win that game, and uh, they did. They were able to come through. So, those were the big storylines on the game. Oh, let's not forget Austin Hedges, by the way, hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. This is just a guy who finally got a fastball that he can handle uh, in that eighth inning to go ahead. Uh, Austin Hedges, after Josh Naylor, I believe, had singled to start the inning. Um, yeah, Naylor singles to start the inning. Clement pops out. Mercado lines out. So with two outs, that brings up Austin Hedges. And let's go to the matchup on this one against Chad Green. He's working them down and away with curveballs. He's kind of mixing between curveballs and fastballs, but keeping everything down and away. And then that last pitch runs middle of the plate, up at the letters. Finally, he comes into Austin Hedges. And Hedges, we know, can deliver some big home runs. That's one thing he can do uh, is pull that ball to left field and give you a home run, and this was a huge one. It gave the Guardians a 4-3 lead in the eighth inning. You thought they were going to be able to hold that lead. Um, Once again, a pitcher missing his location leads to a home run on the day. So, I mean, that was it offensively for the Guardians, right? Naylor had a single mixed in there. Straw would actually single after Hedges' home run, but Quan would fly out to end the threat. 
that was it from the Guardians hitters. A quiet day. Four runs on four hits for the Guardians. Meanwhile, the Yankees get five runs on nine hits. A little more offensive impact from the Yankees. So that was the game. Uh, you know, an ugly end as far as the fans go and an ugly end as far as Cleveland's pitching goes. With Classe blowing the game in the ninth inning. Classe is going to be fine. That guy is a really dominant pitcher that just missed his location twice. He's going to be fine. I'm not worried about Classe. I'm more worried about Brian Shaw, frankly, pitching in high leverage situations than I am about Emmanuel Classe closing out games. But Daniel De Los Santos mixed in there now. Sandlin, like I said, Trevor Steffen and Ghost, like that pushes Shaw back. That pushes Shaw back to the fifth and sixth inning where he probably belongs. Uh, maybe coming in there if a starter can't quite get out of an inning and trying to clean up an inning in the middle of the game. Maybe. So that was everything from this game. It was a tough one to swallow for Guardians fans from everything, from all aspects. But we get to lace it up. We get to do it again. And we'll see what this galvanized team, you know, this team that walked off the field with their arms around each other's shoulders, what this team is going to look like coming out there to face Gary Cole. Uh, you know, a highly paid pitcher who's actually not having a great start to the season. Um, him and Savali both go into this game with ERAs over six. So we will see what happens on this one. Can the Guardians offense keep it rolling and out battle the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from the Bronx. It's the Yankees 5, the Guardians 4. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Savali versus Cole. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.